Hello everybody and welcome to Focus Fire episode number 14. I'm Alan and I'm joined as always by my co-host Jeff Dirty Pool. Hey guys. And as always, Focus Fire is a semi-regular competitive 40k podcast aimed at providing you with focus and practical advice that you can actually use to improve your game. This podcast is brought to you through the TFG Radio Network. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at focusedfirepodcast at gmail.com. Tonight we have the first segment in our multi-part discussion on preparing for the LVO, which we are affectionately calling the road to the LVO. Over the next month and a half, we will discuss the following topics. LVO prep. Preparing your army list and planning your practice regime, game knowledge, physical prep, and a host of other things to get us ready for the LVO. And starting it off, Jeff, topic number one, LVO prep and preparing your army list. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, it's time to get ready for the LVO. I know uh, a lot of people might think it's kind of early, but it's around Thanksgiving time is usually it's when never I... never too early. Yeah, exactly. It's... Uh, this is about when I start trying to lock in a list, you know, pending any changes to chapter approval, which we'll go over tonight. So the, what we're going to kind of go over tonight is how, what you should think about in the next couple of weeks in getting your list ready for LBO so that you can practice with it enough and be familiar, super familiar with it at, by the time the LBO comes around. So that kind of, you know, comes back to some general philosophies we've always had here uh, at Focus Fire and... There's two things that kind of go with these general philosophies, but the first one is you got to set a goal for yourself. S- only eight people are going to make it to Sunday, and in reality, myself and Alan included, probably won't make it that far. We like to think that we could, but unless you're in the top ten of the ITC, it's going to be a really, really tall task to get to the top eight. So you got to kind of set a goal for yourself. Are you trying to win your best in faction award? Are you just going to have fun and drink some beers? You know, are you, do you want to go three and three or four and two? Are you trying to get one game win better than last year that you went? You need to set a goal for yourself now and practice with that goal in mind. Um, And then, you know, the second philosophy that we have here is, is getting your reps in with the list. Um, It's the, literally the most important thing you can do between now and LVO is to practice with your list. And Alan and I have emphasized this on a host of other, uh, a prior podcast, but familiarity with your list is critical to quick decision making, knowing your matchups, and knowing your army, what it's capable of, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and what you can realistically expect it to do at the LVO where there's going to be over 900 people. So getting that the, the practice in between now and LVO is really important because I at least I find that when I practice against a specific match, I know how it's going to go. Once I've played an army, like, for instance, the first time I played Gene Sarah Colt, it was a nightmare. I was <laughs> freaked out. I didn't know what was happening. What the fuck is going on? But even though I had read everything, I'd read the codex, I knew what their tricks were, but it just, it, when you get and you practice it on the tabletop against that matchup, it, it's a totally different thing. I know, Alan, you had a similar experience, right? Yeah, well, I played my very first Gene Sarah Colt at uh, Las Vegas Slaughter, and how oh, was it? The. Uh... Uh, whatever the Las Vegas tournament was. The Gentleman's GT, that's it. And it's like, what the heck does this thing do? And uh, so I was like, the, all these blips go up in space. Well, it's like I have a movement turn. I don't get to know what they're doing. 
And then I played Jackson in our league game last week, and he played Gene Sula Coles. Like, okay, well, you're going to make me go first? Fine. Well, I know I can quicken up my Shining Spears and be on top of him turn one, beat up, shoot and beat up uh, a couple of his units in assault, and then quicken myself back, get behind my lines by the time his crap starts dropping in. And that kind of knowledge is very, uh, very important to have when you play an army. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of one of these things that, <coughs> excuse me, that we want to kind of talk about tonight is, you know, getting super familiar with your list and focusing on the mission and your specific matchup will be a lot easier if you have intimate knowledge with your list. Uh, like, for instance, my orc list, I've been playing essentially the same variation. I've, I've tweaked minor things, like 100 points here and there, but I've been playing that since the summer. And I'm really familiar with my list. I can deploy it with pretty much a blindfold on. I mean, not really. It's 100 and 200 models, like, probably be stupid to do it with the blindfold on, but you know what I'm saying. I could, I could do it with without even thinking about it. Most Against most matchups, I'm going to deploy a certain way, and in the specific matchups where I'm not going to deploy that way, I might have to think a little longer, but for the vast majority of my matchups, I'm going to deploy in a similar fashion. And you can look at some of the top players in the ITC right now. Um, you know, uh, Richard Siegler, Brian Poland, Jim Vessel... They've all been running this same list, essentially, for the beginning of the year. I mean, Jim Vessel pretty much sealed his top spot at the ITC for the entire year in from, like, March to June or July when he went on a tear with his Plague Bear list, and, you know, he was very good. Now it's not so good, but, um, you know, Richard Siegler, Brian Pullen, they've been playing those tame towel lists for a long time, and they know exactly what it can do and exactly what it can't do, and that... I think is honestly what let Brian Pullen win the SoCal Open a couple weeks ago is that he knew his list way better than any Space Marine player knew their list because he'd been playing it for a year. So, you know, that's kind of the one thing that we want to focus today. And, you know, so how do you do that? How do you get a list ready that you, you know, LVO is far away, but how do you start getting your list ready? So one thing that I think everyone needs to do before they start actually drafting their list is think about what's going to be at LVO, what the meta is going to be like. Now, I think the obvious answer is Space Marines. You know, we're going to see a lot of a lot of varying types of Space Marines, and they're going to be all over the place. There's going to be 900-plus players at the LVO, and there's going to be 300 Space Marine players. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I could be wrong. Who knows? But I can imagine a lot. What, what do you think is going to be there, Alan? I think there's going to be a crap load of Space Marines because there's a lot of factors that are play here. People come from all over the world to play at the LVO, and people come from across the country to play the LVO. So, you know, they're paying like $500 in like hotel costs and like, you know, two to $300 at least in like plane fare. People are not going there just to have fun and to show up and to play a funsy list unless they're playing in the narrative. But if they're playing the championship mission missions, they're there and they're there to compete and they're there to do well. So I'm going to, I think we're going to see even more Marines than we <clears throat> normally do because Marines do very well and people are there to do well at the uh, LVO. Yeah, and everyone has Marines. I mean, it's like, not everyone, but a lot of people have Marines. It's not it's an army that most players already have access to. And so I think you're right. I think we'll see a lot of Marines. The 8th edition starter box had Plague Marines and, uh, and the new Marines. So it's like yeah. everybody has a bunch of Marines lying around, and they're just really good. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think you, everyone's going to need to analyze that themselves. I think, I think Tau is going to be there, you know, 
I don't think it's going to be piloted by... It's going to be piloted by a few good players like Brian Pullen, Richard Siegler. I think you're going to see some chaos. And a few others emulating their lists. Yeah. And basically, you, which <clears> is just like a billion drones. Yeah. And so, I mean, this episode isn't about the, what we think the meta is going to be for LVO, but you just got the kind of... This is our advice to you is just listen to other podcasts, see what's going on. Listen to 40K Stat Center is a great way to see what's what's going on in the top yeah, tables. You want to know what lists are doing well. And the, re- the reason why we want you to look at the meta is because you need to tailor your list to the meta. Now, normally, when you go to a, a, a smaller event, like a GT, I'm, Al and I might be going to a GT in a couple weeks here in L.A., and it's like a 40-person GT. You can look at the attendance list and go, okay, these are the players I need to watch out for. I know what they're playing. I can kind of tailor my list to that, uh, to those people, to defeating those people. And everyone else I'll just kind of deal with on the fly. At OBO, it's, it's, it, you can't do that. You have to know what the likely meta lists are going to be because everyone who goes the LVL, like Alan said, wants to compete. And they're going to be emulating Richard Seekler's list. They're going to be emulating... John Lennon's list. They're going to be emulating Nick Nadevati's list. They're going to be emulating Jim Vessel's list. I mean, they're going to be emulating a lot of these lists. So look at what the top players are playing over the next two months. Or now. Just look now because those top players have already pretty much locked in on what they're going to play for LBI. I can guarantee you that. So look at what they're playing in smaller events and be aware of it. Know, Know what's going to be coming down the pipe on that one. And then, you know... Some of the other things you're going to do is you're going to then identify your play style. Are you a more conservative player, a more aggressive player who likes to just go balls deep into something and be aggressive and alpha strike and all caution to the wind? You need to think about that because when you build an army and you build your list, you need to know how you're going to play. And so if, if you want to play a conservative army, but you build a glass cannon and an alpha strike army, it's not going to fit your play style. So you got to kind of think about yourself as well. And then one thing that Alan, I know, wanted to talk about was playing to the mission. I think that's an incredibly important thing to think about when you're constructing your list. So Alan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's why everybody's kind of surprised at Sean Naden's wacky list and why he does so well is one of the reasons why is because he does play to the mission. And he does really well just focusing on that. It's not necessarily all about killing people. It's just about scoring more points. So I think uh, I think you need to keep your eye on the prize and don't just go willy-nilly and kill things. Yeah, and so some tactical things to think about when you're constructing your list in the list-building phase now is, like, look at a, a common list and how many kills are you going to... How much, how much damage can people do to your list and how many kills can they get off your list per turn? If you have a bunch of tiny units, but they're all going to die in the first two turns, that may not be a big deal. Like, this is one of the things we see with, like, Richard Siegel and Brian Pullen's Talus. They all have these two-man drone units, and those things usually die quick, you know, so they might give up kill more on turns one, two, and three, but by turn four, five, and six, they've killed all your important shit, and they're just running around with a couple Riptides, and they're getting kill more and hold more for the rest of the game. So they may give up an early kill differential, but they kind of bring it back at the end. And then you're also going to want to think about how much you can kill of your opponent's army. You know, So you want to try and strike a balance between durability in your units and offensive power. And then mobility is really important because you also want to think about the second aspect of the main, the main primary mission, which is holding objectives. I mean, you need to be able to get up into the middle of the board, hold an objective, and hopefully live 
through the next turn. If you can't, I mean, it is what it is, but you either need to have an, enough units so that you can continually throw new units onto objectives to hold more, or you can throw one unit onto an objective and hold more and keep that unit there through durability. So you want to consider about how you're going to play the primary missions. How are you going to give up kills against a, a variety of army uh, opponents? How are you going to get your kills and how are you going to hold and hold more potentially? Yeah, I know it's one mistake that I make and that you keep on reminding me is the question you have to ask yourself is what secondaries does your army give up? And if you can, you want to minimize the secondaries you give up. You want to make it very hard for your opponent to choose secondaries and to score those secondaries. If you, if you can minimize them while there's, there's no good secondaries or they have to get only like three, settle for like three secondary points, you're almost always getting ahead. And that's another thing is your army. It's like if you, if you don't give up secondaries and then if you like have ways of getting, maximizing all of your secondaries, like some armies are just like slow and just plot along and they don't take recon. There's a lot of second, there's two secondaries. There's one that basically killing stuff and other ones just being positioning yourself. And if you're an army that also can, you know, can choose like engineers or recon or behind enemy lines, places you can go where it doesn't really impact your army, your opponent's uh, list doesn't impact uh, you scoring these secondaries is really good. And also, you know, the primary, look at the primaries and secondaries. Sometimes there's like, there's missions with, you know, five and six objectives. Can, do, you, do you have the units that can go out and hold a bunch of units? And can you survive on those units? Because if you take them for one turn, it doesn't really matter if Thunderfire Cannons and everything else will just dispatch you relatively in short order. So can you get on these objectives quickly? Can you hold these objectives? And also, you know, Borg Presence is kind of good too because, you know, sometimes there's missions with only three objectives and there's... Everybody, you each have one in your deployment zone, and then there's one in the middle. And if you can hold that one in the middle, it's a huge advantage. And also the way uh, you need to be very conscious of kills. Do you give a little bunch of kills up in your army? And, you know, can they get butcher's bill? But none of that. But every turn, can they get kill more? If they can get kill more, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because you're, you're going to be uh, starting from behind already. So... Yeah, and, and that's kind of another thing I want to talk about, Alan, that you mentioned it, that's really important is is secondary points. Uh, you know, can, how are you at scoring secondary points and how are you at giving up secondary points? So one thing to consider, like Alan said, is can you score positional-related uh, secondaries easily? Can you get recon on a consistent basis? Can you get three or four points of it at every game? If you can, can you get engineers? I mean, engineers are one of those things that it's more, I think, dependent on your opponent's army. I mean, if you're playing a space main player with three Thunderfire cannons, you should not take <laughs> engineers. But if your opponent doesn't have any um, indirect fire, then that's something that you should think about. And if you can put indirect fire in your army list, you should have at least one or two pieces with indirect fire on the board because it really will dissuade your opponent from taking engineers. And that can be a big deal. And for armies like what Alan plays, Eldar... If you can, Eldar are hard, easy to build a secondary denial uh, type list where you only give up maybe one max secondary. And so you force your opponent into these suboptimal choices like old school or uh, uh, engineers when you, you know, you might have the Eldar probably may have night spinners or something like that to 
do indirect fire to kill the engineer. So you got to kind of, you want to think about how you're going to score secondary. So do you have fast moving units or deep striking units that can get you recon or king of the hill or whatever it is? Or do you have um, ways to deny secondary points for your opponent on kill based secondaries? Uh, and you can also think about, you know, if you're a giant horde army like Termagant's Orcs, you can also potentially give up, prevent your opponent from taking recon because you can just flood the board with bodies. Um, and then one thing I wanted to mention as well is it's kind of an under-discussed point of the mission pack, but can you get bonus points? This is where fast-moving, objective-secured units are super important. So, like, infantry squads from Imperial Guard can go... 6 plus D6, and then another 6 plus D6. And if they're jumping out of a chimera and then moving 24 inches potentially, or let's just say call it 18 inches on average, you know, you're going to... They could jump on top of that objective that you only have five rangers on and score the bonus point. So, I mean, like, this is something that I do. I try and score the bonus point every chance I get, and I'm sure everyone else does as well, but you need to be able to do so. And one way to do that is quick moving objective security units or either, either through deep strike charging or physical speed that they have on their, on their data slate. So that's something you want to think about when you're constructing your army is can you ever score bonus points? Yes or no. Um, so I think that's kind of all I want to talk about for playing the mission. I know the next thing I want to kind of caution people about is chapter proofs coming out in a couple of weeks and you kind of want to be, I, we stress that you should start building your list now and practicing with it now. But, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I got to wait for chapter approved. My suggestion would be to just build your list now and start practicing and just roll with what chapter approved does when it gets there. If you think that something's going to go up in chapter approved, a chapter approved, uh, maybe build a point buffer in your list. But my suggestion would be just build your list. Play it the way it is, and whatever chapter approved happens, you should just kind of roll with it and change it after that. But you kind of want to keep that same core, unless something becomes totally unviable because they raise the points by a significant amount and you can no longer take it. But um, if you're taking Forge World stuff like that, that's usually do that to Forge World. Um, just kind of be aware that you might have to uh, start over in uh, mid-December. Yeah, they printed chapter approved like about six months ago. I think it was whatever but it's come to the consensus of that. so what was sick what was good six months ago those generally tried to nerve so probably plague bearers maybe uh, forge world dreadnoughts things along that line which were which were kind of a little bit overpowered but a lot of people also think about what what's going to be nerfed in chapter pro nobody really looks at the other side of the coin coin is that there's a bunch of crap units or marginal units that's going to get a point decrease. So you might get it, you might end up with extra <coughs> points in your list and you might find some units that were not very good you might want to think about adding because last year Tau and Necrons really struggled and both of them got a big points degree decrease in chapter approved and they became much better so Keep an eye out for some units that might be getting better in chapter approved if their points go down. Yeah, and I think this is something that, you know, our my advice would be to get your list together now and start practicing with it. And whatever comes in chapter approved, you can test things out. But if, if, you know, you have to consider how adding new units that might have gone down and you just want to test them to see if they're viable, that that's going to really fuck with your 
practice regime, in my opinion. If you're trying out totally new units, that's a totally new play style for your army archetype, then, you know, maybe splash one unit in here or two for a test game, but unless you kind of already thought they were good, but you just thought the points were a little too high, you know, I would caution against changing your list whole cloth after chapter approved comes out. But I mean, teach their own. Uh, I think that your practice regime needs to start now. And if you switch up your entire list after chapter approved comes out, you're going to be playing catch up uh, because the real, the reality is, is you're going to, you may have local play groups and whatnot who you can get your test games in between now and LVO. Um, but having six weeks over the holidays, I mean, essentially you just have January because Christmas uh, and you know the holiday season uh, is a tough time to get in games that are like on the GT level. And January has a few of them, but it's, you know, it's kind of a, a last minute thing. And, you know, so you got to kind of, if it doesn't work out and you're trying out these chapter approved things at this last chance GT, then suddenly you've wasted the opportunity to test the list that you already had put together before chapter approved. Yeah, you have to be really careful with units like that because the chapter approved, some things might really good be good. But, you, you know, chapter approved will be here, you know, fairly shortly. But, like, uh, from our last podcast, you know, Colin was talking about how good swooping hawks are. And, you know, I occasionally people talk about swooping hawks. So I played with 10 swooping hawks in my list. It's like, man, these things suck. Balls, I hate swooping hawks. <laughs> and these are the things you have to find out because it might be your play style, it might be the way you use them. It could be a lot of factors that some people have success with units and you don't, but you really need to find out what works for you and what doesn't pretty soon. Yeah. So I think the the last thing I well, the last major topic, there's two more major topics I want to talk about. One is your practice regime regime and then evolving the list based on your practice regime. Now, as of today, there's about nine weeks before Los Angeles, before LVO. Um, my, my opinion is you should play at least 15 games uh, in between now and LVO, and you should make those games count. Prefer this, this would be you know, more than one game a week, obviously, but if you do a GT, get five games in a GT, then you only need to pay play 10 games or something like that. I don't know if I can play 15 games. It's a bit ambitious for me. Um, but it's going to be something I hope to do. Um, and anything where you can go to an actual tournament setting is really good because you get a wider variety of opponents that you're not com- they're not comfortable with. Your, your typical sparring partners are the guys you play with often. You're comfortable playing those guys. You, you can show up to the table. You know what they're going to do. You know how they're going to react. You know what their, their game plan is going to be. When you go to a GT and you're playing something you never played before, uh, that's when you really test your, your skill, in my opinion. Yeah, when you, you you play a good friend, there's kind of a shorthand that you kind of use with each other, and you kind of know, you, you basically play the rules the same way, but different groups might play rules and have, like, house rules that are completely different, and a lot of misunderstandings about what terrain does and all these other things, and it's there's a, it's a lot bumpier fighting, uh, playing against somebody who's, you know, you don't know. And another thing is it just gives you a wide variety of armies to play with in a tournament setting. And so sometimes, you know, your friends or whatever, the better you hear about is one thing, but it's always good to have a curveball because some guy will just show up with some weird oddball list you've never seen before or heard of before. And it's good to try to think your way out of it and figure out what he's trying to do. And uh, it's, it's a way to keep you on your toes. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so then, you know, you know, that's how many games we think he should play. I mean, I don't know. Alan might have a different opinion. But um, then the question comes to what do you want to practice against? And this is where identifying what the meta is going to be like is important because you're going to want to have your friends run things like, I mean, I think everyone should practice against 10 assault centurion lists or, you know, at least one unit of assault centurion. Just, you should just practice against that. It's an insane list and they're really <laughs> good. Um, Space Marine in general, you should just get practice, a lot of practice against those. Um, you know, Tau, Orcs, Eldar, and hell, hell, Sisters of Battle. You know, they. Th- this happened last year. They came out with their beta codex, and uh, it was. Uh, I played a Sisters player at LVL last year, and I, I mean, I barely won, but it was just. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I'm like, <laughs> I got I, this. I didn't read these rules very well. <laughs> um, so you know, you want to get a, you want to get practice. You don't want to play your your friends. You know, um, off meta. You know, which cult list uh, five times out of those fifteen games? You want to play uh, a wide variety of lists, and you and this may require you and your friends to go. Okay, let's uh, let's pull uh, you know Nick Nadavati's list from the last GT he went to. I'll play it once, and we'll play a couple turns, see how it goes, and then we switch, and I play my army against that Nick's list, and you run it, my friend. And and so you can, this is a lot of things that you can do, and you want to. Practice with your your play group as much as possible and maximize the time that you are practicing. So this means when you're practicing with your friends, start the game over. Don't be afraid to play it out. And I mean, if it's a close game and you're on turn three, you can play it out if you want, but the opening moves of most games are what's important. And yeah, you may have you may be on turn three and you may be dead tied with your friend, but it's okay to go, you know what, we could play it out and scrape every last point, but let's re-rack it to see if if one of us can pull ahead consistently on this matchup and and so maybe you can you can identify mistakes that you made in the first two turns that made it a tie if you had played differently you maybe you would have been ahead by three or four points um playing the same match again so getting that just re-racking and playing again is something that's really important and um everyone should try and do uh, what do you think about that, Alan? How many games do you think? What do you think people should do when they're practicing? Well, as many as you're comfortable playing. Uh, so basically, you do want to play at least well, maybe one game a week against a lot wide variety of armies. And, you know, just maybe getting some net lists, especially if you're just have a very small group and if you can... You might want to proxy some units and then play some uh, play some of the top lists out there, especially if if they're not in your local meta. Let's say there's nobody playing like the the chaos list in your local meta, or nobody's playing like some of the salt centurion uh, raven guard lists. You know, you might want to proxy them. And not only do you learn more by playing against these lists, but if you play those lists as well, you learn a lot from them as well because you know all the stratagems and you learn you know what they're going to try to do and you kind of get into the mind of their players. So you learn a lot by actually playing the list that you're going to be be uh, experimenting with. So that's a good idea. But yeah, I want to try to get in as many games as I can. I'm going to try to attend a couple GTs and uh, some tournaments and uh, try to get in. I'll try to get in 15 games, but we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be tough for me, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So the last topic I want to talk to you is about if, if and how you should evolve your list between now and LVO during your training regimen. What what are your kind of general thoughts on that, Alan? Well, I think the best, I am one of the people who take a list to a GT 
and I lose one game. It's like, okay, well, I'm scrapping everything. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm changing everything completely around. But that's not necessarily the, the best way to go, especially if you do fairly well at it. Sometimes, sometimes your list is fine, but you just made a mistake or you got the wrong opponent at the wrong time. And sometimes, sometimes you really need to try the same list over and over again and see really is, is it really that bad or is it not that bad? And a lot of it is just practice. Now, I've been playing this Wraith Knight list. I've been trying to get the Wraith Knight to work. And I find myself just making, constantly making mistakes with it. Because the Wraith Knight moves so fast and he has to have a little Shadow Seer to keep up with him. Because the Shadow Seer is the source of all of his buffs. Spirit Seer. Spirit Seer. Oh, too many Harlequins. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I've been, so I need a Spirit Seer to go with him. And so I've, I've oftentimes been out of position and I need to practice, you know, being in position because you know, one time I was like, uh, I was playing against Gene Suter Colt and I went forward and I uh, got out of range of my Spirit Seer to give uh, my Wraith Knight the uh, four up invulnerable save. And I got pounded on by a bunch of rock souls and he went down and I had nothing to show for it. And that kind of, that hurt. So... You need to really be aware of your positioning and you need to be aware of what you need to do. You just need practice. And there's so many little things you need to do right that it's, it's good to play over and over again so you do get a good habit. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and I mean, that's exactly something that I wanted to harp on, Alan, is, you know, my suggestion, my personal practice is I want to play five, at least five games with the list before I make any changes. I mean, maybe a minor, minor modification, like switching something out, like very minimal. But just what Alan said, you need to you need to make you need to have a good sample size before you can de determine whether something fails or not, whether it's the list or whether it's you making mistakes. And and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but exactly what Alan said, it's it's you need that you need that wide variety of sampling to determine whether it's the list or the pilot that is needing you know. Uh, uh, to be changed. So during your practice re regime that you're going over uh, between now and L uh, LVO, you, my suggestion would be change the list minimally. You know, you want to, I mean, if it's just not working and you're losing every game, it could be the list. It could also be you. I mean, you may just need to become a better player and get more reps and practice more. And the, changing the list isn't going to help you. If you change your list a lot, it actually could be detrimental to you because you're not getting the the practice that you really need to be proficient with the list. So you you may think, oh, I need to change my list between now and LVO because I keep losing. But if you just played the same list for 15 games and became really familiar with the list, at LVO you might do better than if you had changed your list three or four times during those 15 games and played three or four lists that were significantly different. So you get significant enough so that your prior practice with the list didn't really apply to the list that you're playing with today. So that's kind of just something that, you know, we think you should try to avoid making a, a big wholesale changes to your list. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is just kind of keeping an eye on the tournament scene um, and watching what the top players in the ITC are bringing to GTs and, and R even RTTs. I mean, this is where you're going to get a lot of 
ideas of where those players are going, what they think the meta is going to be. You know, if they, if you can identify what they're bringing, what they're trying to tech against, um, you can kind of say, oh, that's that's interesting. So if you see, for just for instance, Jim Vessels, I think, playing Chaos, and so is TJ Lanigan, and they they are going to be teching for Marines. So if you watch them at a GT or an RTT and they get a matchup against a Marine player and they win, you go, ooh, okay, well, what did they bring and how do they employ that unit or units or that combo to deal with Marines? What What's the secret here? And so a lot of ways you can do that is listening to like 40K Stat Center is a really good resource for that. Getting a BCP subscription and just looking at the the bigger events every weekend between now and LVO and, and looking at those players that are on the top of the food chain, the top of the ITC. You know, guys like Nick Rose, Juice, Sean Naden, Brandon Grant. Like these are all guys who are trendsetters and their list, I mean, like the chances of you playing them is probably slim unless you're in the top, you know, 50 of the ITC or something and you're planning on going 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. But... You know who you're going to play? You're going to play guys who are copying those guys' lists. You're going to, people are going to see what Sean Naden brings or Richard Siegler brings or John Lennon brings. And they're Nobody gonna... copies Sean Naden. Let's go. Let's, let's yeah. be real. <laughs> 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 not, not with any success. <laughs> um, but you're going to see, you're going to, like, Nick Nadavati, like, everyone copies his shit because he's, like, super out there and he's really good. And he sells his shit to everybody else, so. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, like, looking to see what he thinks is good is, you know, um, going to be kind of important. So, those are the kind of people you're going to want to look at, get an eye out for. And then you're going to want to look at the top 20 of the big events like the SoCal Open that just happened, Warzone Atlanta. I, I don't even know if those lists are available anywhere. Um, I don't think it was on BCP. But um, if you can get Warzone Atlanta coverage. And then the Atlanta Open is happening in a couple weeks. Uh, and that's going to have a lot of uh, really uh, tuned armies. It's going to be a like 200-person event. So. Yeah, they have that big, what's it, $10,000 cash prize. So everybody's going to be out. No, nobody's just going to be glad to, to be there. Everybody's going to bring their 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 top list. So you'll see uh, everybody's going to be out for blood. So <coughs> that you should really pay attention to, to those lists. Yeah, and just to emphasize the point again, it's 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 unlikely you'll run into one of those top players. But you will run into someone who's playing something similar to them. So if you see what those top players are bringing, what they're what they're being beaten by, and what they're beating, you're gonna get a lot of insight that'll be applicable for when you're at the LVO. There's not gonna be 900 plus players at the LVO. You're you're gonna be playing. A, there's gonna be a ton of copycat lists. You're gonna see every every list that's been in the top five of any tournament this year, <laughs> any GT or bigger tournament this year is gonna be at the LVO. I mean, maybe not from like March of this year, but you, you know what I mean. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of copycat lists um, out there. So you want to be kind of ready for all of those things. And there's going to be also a few good players with just a few oddball lists. You got to be aware, of, but that, you can't really prepare for that. But what you do need to do is what what uh, Jeff says: is you need to keep your eye on the meta because the Sisters of Battle Codex is coming out, and so we're going to see a lot of lot of uh, Sisters of Battle being incorporated possibly to Imperium lists. So that's something to keep your eye out. And also, they're constantly churning out those Psychic Awakening books. And so that, that might the new one might have a huge impact on the Chaos uh, meta, and there's a couple more going to be coming out, so they're going to have a huge impact. So Yeah, I mean, Blood Angels and Tyranids are going to be out before the cutoff for LVL. I mean, it's supposed to come out in December. Or like first week of January, which I think is going to be before the cutoff. So I mean, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know when the cutoff is yet, but 
that that Tyrannus might have a whole new life breathed into him a week before weeks of it, uh, list submissions, which you should not play unless you're already playing Tyrannids. Like, don't, don't make the switch just because of psychic psychic awakening. And also, there's things like uh, the Space Marine codexes are relatively new, and so there still are some mystery builds in there that we're gonna that might become popular later on. There's there's a few ar archetypes we see right now, but. There might be some that still are able to, some people are able to put together and to do really well with it. So keep your eye out there for the, uh, so, for the meta. Yeah, I, and I think that's all I really want to talk about on this subject. I mean, let's just kind of go over the high-level points is you want to build your list now. Accept uh, that there might be some changes that you need to make after chapter approved. You want to keep your eye on the meta and to keep your pulse on the meta. Watch what the top players are doing and just follow the tournament scene in general uh, so that you can expect, know what to expect at LVO. And then get a ton of practice in. Play a lot of games. Play as many games as you can against as many net lists or uh, meta archetypes as you can in between now and LVO. Because every time, if you've already played against Eldar Flyers fam and you know what it know what it does if you see it at lvo you're you're gonna be okay it's if you don't it's gonna what's gonna happen is at lvo if you don't if you face a, a matchup you've never played before and you just think you would understand how it's gonna work in theory you might be able to get your way out of that game but it's gonna be a lot easier if you had already played the matchup and kind of understood the mechanics of it so um other yep. than that i think we're uh, we're good for tonight yep I just uh, just like oh. to talk a little yeah. bit about. I went to a RTT over the weekend. It's supposed to be a GT in Phoenix, but uh, they didn't have enough players, so they decided to change it to a one day RTT. And this is the third outing of my Wraith Knight list, and I'm think I'm, I'm getting pretty happy with the list. I'm getting I'm getting it to where I kind of I like it. And, you know, there's there's minor tweaks that I make, and I'm still going to make uh, minor tweaks to it. Um, like, one of them is, this time around, I tried running my battalion as Beltan. And Beltan has a lot of things going for it. It gets my uh, Dark Reapers and Shining Spears, you know, plus one leadership, which is, you know, all right. And But then it also gives me the reroll uh, ones on my Shrieking Catapults. But what it really does... <laughs> Is my warlord trade is basically a free guide uh, within three inches, so basically I can, uh, uh, which is which is good. The relic is also a uh, reroll for a, one of my casters to uh, to uh, a failed psychic test, which is good for on a warlock or a spirit seer. And another thing is it gives me um, what's the third thing it gives you? Oh, the stratagem. Stratagem is plus two to charge, which is really good. So the Beltan on on paper is really good, but I just I just didn't like it enough. Now, although a late talk doesn't give you any of those bonuses, like the the, the stratagem is good for relic as for rangers, is that you need sixes to hit them, which is nice for one unit if you want to stand on an objective out in the open. You know, it kind of comes in handy. And uh, the relic is nothing to write home about, and their their warlord trade is meh. It's basically a fearless aura. But I think I'm going to go to it. That minus one to be hit is just so powerful because you just get hit by thunderfire cannons. You get shot by all kinds of things out there, and minus one, and then being able to crank it up to minus two with lightning fast reflexes. It's really nice and. 
there's a lot of times that my rangers are being shot and everything else is being shot. I really wished I had minus one to keep myself alive a little longer. So I think I'm going to go back to that uh, and see if that works a little bit better. But I'm not sold on it. I still need to play test it a little bit. But I think I took Dark Reapers this time because I wanted like indirect fire. But they're just so fragile. There's three Dark Reapers just by themselves. Just going to be... They ended up getting picked off so easily. Like I said, without the elite talk, without the minus one inherent to them, you know, they had trouble. So I think I'm going to actually just try to put two night spinners into my list because that will complement the vehicles, will complement my uh, Wraith Knight because the vehicles that, because the shooting that can kill the Wraith Knight will kill the night spinner. So you can't kill and shoot everything. And also, I got three Crimson Hunter Exarchs. So. I think the Night Spinners will uh, complement my army really well and give me some indirect fire because I have no way of really get going in there and digging out uh, people from buildings. So Yeah, and <clears throat> that's one of those things that, you know, is important because you can think about how you're, that, having those in your list will dissuade your opponent from taking engineers because, you know, four, between the two of them, 46 strength, seven shots that do two damage each is enough to pick up most engineer squads in one turn. Mm -hmm. So if you, and if you're only giving up big game hunter because of that choice and you don't give up any other secondaries, maybe headhunter or something, that's good because you can, you know, uh, easily get an advantage on secondary points over your opponent. Yep. So, uh, in conclusion, yep. So we're all we're getting ready for the uh, for the LVO now. Hopefully, I'll play a GT at the beginning of December and then a GT at the beginning of of uh, January. And so hopefully, I'll get a few games. I have a uh, there's a game I have uh, against the. Well, I'm playing in a league. I have a game next week that I get to practice with. So this guy's a chump. He's pretty good. We're both two and zero. Oh. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You are going down, Alan. Don't call me a chump. <laughs> yeah, we're playing each other in our <laughs> league. It's basically a. Well, how? What's the format? What would you call that format? It's what's pennies or just? It's a Swiss. Yeah, it's uh, just a big RTT. So me and Jeff are both two and zero oh into this uh, going into the league. So I gotta I'll let you know how it goes, guys. You're going but down. On our next episode, we're gonna talk about game knowledge and what you can do to study. Uh, for the LVO. Uh, so as always, guys, if you have any questions or comments, just feel free to email us at focusedfirepodcast at gmail.com. Maybe one day we will get a Facebook page or something, but <laughs> until then, one day. shoot us an email. <laughs> Patreon. Yeah, we got to make All right, everybody, <laughs> it's been a pleasure, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care.